name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's such a happy gospel. The life you save may be your own. Relationships matter. If you have ever done serious photography, you know about lenses and perspective. For example, two types of lenses, a standard 50 millimeter lens, which gives you, can give you a panoramic view, and a macro lens. The 50 millimeter lens, or maybe even um, another type of lens that spans, gives you a long view over a vista, and sometimes a 360-degree sweep. A macro lens yields an extreme close-up of something like a flower, a bug, a leaf. Now, both lenses can feature the same subject, and yet to take a panoramic view of a mountain range and a macro view of a wildflower on that mountain provide very different perspectives. Today, we must view Matthew's gospel with both lenses in order to begin to tease out what Jesus is trying to teach his first century listeners and his 21st century ones. To do that, Jesus takes us all the way back to our Mosaic roots, the Ten Commandments. And so first, our 50-millimeter lens. Thomas Cahill, in his book, The Gift of the Jews, notes that there has never been agreement by scholars about the exact number of the commandments which are our Judeo-Christian standard of ethics. And yet, most scholars have come to the conclusion that all of the original sentences were bluntly brief, so brief that each one in the Hebrew language may have been but one word, that is, a verb in the imperative form preceded by a negative prefix of one syllable. For example, on the order of no kill, no steal, no lie. Cahill says these utterly primitive basic injunctions would have easily fit into a prehistoric oral culture. Any nomad could hold up his or her ten fingers and teach them to their children. Okay, children. Here is how we behave if we're going to exist together in community. How we live together matters. Being right may matter in the moment. Being in relationship may save your life. Thousands of years after primitive nomads taught their children how to live, a church curriculum called Godly Play names the Ten Commandments as the Ten Best Ways. They may be the Ten Best Ways, yet we know full well that we human beings have never really learned how to live in or out of these teachings. We know pretty well my way or the highway, 
So now we switch to a macro lens for new perspective with today's gospel. There's a whole lot of fighting going on in Matthew's first century communion, community. There's anger, revenge, divisions between people, violence, long-standing grudges between tribes, arbitrary divorces in which a man can abandon a woman for all sorts of reasons, all the way from adultery to she never shuts up. Israel in Jesus' day is in trouble. It's oppressed by pagans from outside and by rich aristocrats from inside. People swear to God that a certain thing is true, and they think that just by using the Lord's name, more people believe that what they swear is truth. Jesus speaks to all these issues. As the Holy One who has come to fulfill the Mosaic law in real life, Jesus reminds people about the ethical way of living. Too many of his people have abandoned what they know to be God's best ways to live. And of course, long before the first century, God had sent Moses, and after Moses, a whole history of prophets, Elijah, Deborah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, just to name a few. God's people seemed to learn for a minute, and then life would interrupt. Off people would go on their own merry way. You want something? Go get it. If that's something your neighbor has, whether that's your neighbor's animal, property, or wife, who is, of course, an extension of property in the ancient times, well, too bad, so sad. If I have power over status over someone else, I take what you have. It's all about me. Jesus takes his people back to their roots. Love God, love each other. Regardless of the exact number of Mosaic commandments, there are really only two. All of the law and the prophets summed up in two. Love God, love your neighbor. Jesus came to show us all the best ways to live. He reminds people that being right is less important than being in relationship. Of course, a couple of thousand years later, we still don't get it, do we? Politicians and their followers dig not just ditches, but deep trenches, and then prepare to die in those trenches. You and I may disagree with others, holding tightly to our own political, religious, or social ideals, yet do we turn our views into shovels, digging our own trenches and railing others, even if they are family? Too many families can no longer gather in peace around a holiday dinner table. School board members stand up and yell epithets at each other. Angry people disrupt town meetings, even getting into fist fights. Church leaders sometimes angrily and publicly disagree with each other. 
At other times, they speak civilly at a meeting and then go outside and in the parking lot or on the sidewalk, their true thoughts and feelings erupt as they swap passive-aggressive barbs or vicious gossip. The saddest part is that people outside church watch, and listen, and then they say, well, if that's church, no thank you. I'd rather go to Panera or Starbucks. At least they act polite. Well, they may not mean it, but the atmosphere's nicer. I get too much craziness at work. I don't need that at church. Thank you very much. Sometimes I imagine Jesus shaking his head and putting his face in his hands. They just never learn, do they? Deep inside, they really do know how to live, but they don't do it. They keep using that macro lens. They insist on close inspection to examine slights, grudges, divisions. They have forgotten that God's desire is for people to love God and love each other, to honor each other as God's beloved creatures. They keep thinking that to prove points, to argue, to be right, is more important than to keep an open heart and mind, to listen deeply to the other, to be in relationship with the other. If you and I look around, it's easy to wonder if we human beings will ever truly learn the best ways to be God's people. To use an example way too close to many of us, including the preacher. In 2021, divorce rate in America was almost 45% of all marriages. It dipped during COVID, but in 2022, it jumped right back up. Many of us here today have gone through divorce. Many of us and our children left as collateral damage. Yet the preacher reminds you as we read today's gospel, we must remember that Jesus taught out of his first century culture, not ours. I don't believe Jesus is passing judgment on our particular situations. Would he want us to act better? Yes, I do think that. Does he understand? Look at us with compassion? I hope so. Sometimes the truth is that not staying together is a matter of survival, especially when there is abuse. It's a matter of greater and deeper life in the long-term perspective. And some of us have had to come to terms with our own demons before we could learn how to live more fully in peace with another person. It isn't that we meant to end up with fractured relationships. It just took a lot of life lessons for some of us. Perhaps that gives us more capacity for compassion. I think that what Jesus wants all of us to do today, just as he did when he taught his first century followers, is to ask ourselves whether what we say with our words matches what we do in our everyday lives. 
Every Sunday, we say the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Do we? Do we forgive our brother, our sister, our neighbor in the same way that God forgives us? If not, is there a path, however overgrown and narrow, to reconcile with another person? As one theologian has noted, the act of reconciliation is an extension of the grace that God has extended to us. Grace that is interrupted, no longer passed along, is no longer grace. Jesus looks around at you and me today. Jesus knows what is in our hearts and minds. Jesus knows we do not put God first and our neighbors or brothers or sisters or anybody else second. We put our own selves first most of the time. Yet here's the good news. Jesus loves us anyway. More good news is that if we recognize that truth, then we have a choice. We choose to follow Jesus he shows us the best path to follow so we can be better. One step at a time, one day at a time. One kind action at a time, one generous offer at a time. It may take us a lifetime to get from a macro perspective to a panoramic one. And yet if we keep our eyes on Jesus, he will lead us there. Yes, we'll get there in God's time with God's help. Amen.